All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This has really just been a series that I have tried to title and then I've untitled and then I've retitled, really equipping the church. Uh, the Lord just had me in Second Corinthians chapter, uh, Second Corinthians, uh, for for a while now. You guys have been just kind of going through this with me. Um, we had a great group again at the Holy Spirit class uh, Monday night. And I just want to encourage you. What we're after is not the things of the Spirit. We are after the person of the Holy Spirit. We're after the person of Jesus Christ that is in the earth, and that is His Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. It's said that people, people that are searching for miracles and signs and wonders, that it doesn't have the effect, that, that, that we need the person. The signs and wonders and the, the experiences are going to come, but what's going to sustain us, what's going to change our life, what saves us is Jesus Christ and his spirit, not the experience. Okay, So the experiences are great, but I, I can tell you that the experiences have not saved me. Not from my troubles. I mean, it has made me feel like it is a confirm. It's a confirming that the Lord is with me. Um, but I need the person. I need the person of Jesus Christ with me, um, equipping me, speaking to me, leading me, and guiding me. And the one that He has given us is His Spirit, His mind, um, His person, His personality, His character, His thoughts, um, the the hidden things of God. He reveals to us through His Spirit. Amen. So as we are pursuing church, we are pursuing the person of Christ. Amen? Are you all with me? And with that is going to come everything that he has to offer. It's awesome. I don't have to go looking for the things he has to offer. But I do want you to know that it's peace, love, and joy, and righteousness that comes when we really get after the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit. Peace, love, joy, righteousness. Amen? Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that when this, earthly, when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We learned Monday night in the class that our bodies are not redeemed. They're dying. They're getting worse. Can anybody say Amen. Anybody's body here deteriorating from when you were born? Yes, that's not been redeemed, but our spirit is redeemed. What is going to last isn't failing. It isn't dying. It's alive. What's going to be left here in the earth is going to be left here, dead. But, but we, let's just keep going. Verse 2. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Uh, Let me keep going. I'm I'm kind of wanting to jump the gun. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not. Are you with me, verse 3? Yeah. We, We will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Isn't that interesting? We won't be just this... Spirit, we will get a new body. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. And that body's not going to have human issues. We will be clothed with a heavenly body. Our spirit with a heavenly body. We will put on heavenly bodies. I don't know that anybody's ever said that over their own body. Ooh, what a heavenly body I've got. (laughs) Right? You say just the opposite. 
It's like, oh, God, what have you done? So we put everything over it to try to cover it up, cover up blemishes any way that we can. Let's keep going. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and, and as a guarantee, he has given us his spirit. Now, uh, just knowing um, how, how tough it is in these bodies, y'all know I've been trying to run, and I'm trying to prepare again for the Haunted Half Marathon. Well, Saturday, my daughter had a uh, volleyball tournament all day in Clarksville, so I looked up a, a half marathon track and decided to go try to run it. And if anybody's ever been in Clarksville, there are hills everywhere. The, it ran by the college, Austin P. by the college. And I had some notes that gave me the roads to turn on. I, di I didn't have a GPS talking in my head. I had just had notes. And it was a real challenge to follow those notes because I was dying <laughs> and trying to follow. I was trying to follow because I was going to get lost. I've, I've been there, but I certainly don't know my way around. And I got over the hills and through the woods, and um, I didn't make it to grandmother's house, but I was close. <laughs> but I finally got through that section, got back down around the river and was running. It was flat, and I'm like, oh, yes, I've got this. I was on like miles eight or nine, and I'm like, praise God, I'm going to finish. And then it took me on a course that just went up and down and up and down. And I, it was the lowest I've ever been in my mind while I was exercising. I was looking at the ditches thinking, I wonder if I was laying in that ditch if anybody would ever even see me. <laughs> yeah, I've got my phone, but I don't think I could place a phone call. You know, have you ever just had your mind just tell you you're done? But I kept following that word. I knew it was going to end. I didn't know how it was going to end, but I knew it was going to end. Um, and here we are with these earthly bodies and I don't know if y'all saw me Monday, but like a fool, I ran that Saturday, took a day off and ran again Monday, and I about couldn't walk Monday. Those of y'all that were at the Holy Spirit class saw me hobbling all over the place, just hurting. And this is me growing weary and sighing and, you know, oh my gosh, I'm ready for my heavenly body that I don't feel like I feel. But we look forward we look forward to what's coming, but God, as a guarantee, has given us this gift that will not die. It is the confirming word, it is the confirming thing that he has given us this that tells us, hey, you've got this, and he's not dying. He's alive, and he's in you, and that's a confirming word to guarantee to you that you're not going to die. Now, your physical body is. We are. We all are. And to be honest with you, it's a glorious day to be clothed with a heavenly body, to be in the very presence of God. Now we're getting to experience the presence of God by his spirit in us, by faith. We don't see it, but there will be a day that we see can you see what we have to look forward to? But until then, we have this guarantee of his spirit. We, we know that we have him. His word tells us that his spirit confirms himself, confirms that Jesus is in us, to us. 
Does anybody have that? Can anybody know for sure that Jesus Christ, that you are saved? Do you know who confirms that? It's his spirit, not your parents, not the church, not a worldview of programming. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms that in you. The Spirit himself confirms that in you. Verse 6, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. This scripture really spoke to me today as I was going back over this. Because I, th- I want you to think about when you've got hell hitting you in all your life, where do you feel safe? At home. There is something about home. You take your shoes off, you kick back, you try to let the worries of the world just stay there until you get back. But there is something comforting about home that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. But the most at home I can ever feel is when I feel the Holy Spirit. When I feel the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that I can compare that to is the feeling of uh, myself and my wife. Of that just confirming of home. You know, I can't hardly compare it. It doesn't compare the Holy Spirit in me. The comfort that it brings is not really comparable. But the closest thing that I have is that comfort. I love to go home and, and for her to be there. As goofy and leave it to beaver as that sounds. I don't walk in the house and say, where's my dinner? But I love to come home to her being home. Now, I love my kids to be home. That's great too, but I love for her to be home. And she doesn't come running and kiss me and just put her arms around me. You know, it's just, hey, babe, hey. But there's something about it. And there's something about in my walk with the Lord when I'll stop for just a moment and recognize right there you are. Right there you are. I'm not having a Shondai experience. I don't have the waters parting in front of me. I have the presence of the Lord in my heart. Bringing comfort, peace, love, joy, and righteousness. Can anybody relate? We're not after this. We're not after this big show. We're after Him. Time with Him. Time with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Verse 9. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. The church. Our goal is to please Him. What is pleasing to Him? For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now let's battle that just for a second. Those that want to grab hold of this greasy grace message, I want you to know you will stand before the Lord and take account for what you've done. Now I want you to know God's a loving God and he's a forgiving God. But we will stand before him. So can you see that our ultimate goal is to please him? It's, if I were to ask you, do you love the Lord? I believe you'd all say yes, love the Lord. 
Well, how does this word tell us that we show him that we love him? We obey him. If you love me, obey me. So our goal must be to please the Lord. Not because he's this God with a magnifying glass waiting to zap us when we mess up. No, he sent his son so that that zapping wouldn't have to take place. He sent his son for mercy, for us to have grace. So our goal is to please him. I want you to know that as you get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, he will help you desire pleasing him. And it will be in the sense that what he desires, you desire. It's not this thing where he's twisting our arm to try to do us, get us to do something that we don't want to do. When we get to know him and literally follow him and begin to feel his love and his power and his presence, we begin to want to do the things that he wants us to do. It becomes our desire. I was talking to somebody today about that scripture that he'll give us the desires of our heart. That's such a deep uh, word. Because I don't completely understand it, I believe it can mean that he wants to give me my desires, the things that I want. I believe that. As a dad, I want my kids to fill out a, a Christmas list. What do you want? And I want to get you everything on that list. And I'm created in his image, right? So I want to get them what they want. Now, if they wanted a nine millimeter gun, no, you can't have that. It's not good for you. It will hurt you. But if it's within reason, I want to get it for him. But I also believe that he wants to give us the desires of our heart. That he wants to take from heaven from his heart's desire and implant that desire into us. Give us his desires. Give us the desires of our heart. It'd be like me telling my children, I want to give you this inheritance that I have. And that's what the Lord's saying. You have an inheritance. I want to give it to you. And this is the way it has to come. This is my last will and testament, and this is how you get that will. I want to give you the desires. But I really believe that it's a, it's a combination of the two. I believe that he hears our desires. He wants, us to hear our, he wants us to hear his desires, and he fits there. He doesn't try to change me into something. He's like, Paul, I don't like you. I want you to be something different. Go have the, these desires. No, I believe he made me desire certain things on purpose, for his purpose. But sometimes I get those desires messed up with flesh and world and demonic activity. And he's like, whoa, 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 we need to correct this. You need my spirit to help bring you from here, here I am, back to here. To where his desires and my desires, I can't tell the difference between the two. Can you guys follow that? When we get his spirit, we get his mind, we get his righteousness, we get his inheritance. He leads us into all truth. All of a sudden, who here would want to follow a lie? No, but we may be believing a lie. That may be our desire is this lie. All of a sudden, he gives us truth and it starts to line us up with him. I don't want to believe a lie anymore. I want to believe truth. Well, if that means taking on the desires of God's heart, so be it. I don't want to follow a lie anymore. Am I rambling? I'm not trying to ramble. 
We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. He has given us the gift of repentance. Repent, church. Don't show up to that meeting with unrepented sin. Repent. It's what Jesus preached. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Okay. What verse am I on? 10? 11? Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. We are, are we commending ourselves again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. That is deep. I don't know how many people I've just been hearing lately about people, not, not even in this church, uh, this was in another church um, that said, I've got people in my church that have their hands up and praising God and then five minutes later out in the hallway saying four-letter words. Going out and living a completely different life. Having a spectacular ministry, but a messed up heart. I want you to know, leave the ministry at the door. Get the heart right. Then the true ministry that God's called you to do will come. You can't keep that from coming. It says that the gifts of God are irrevocable. You can't stop them. But if your heart's wrong, everything is gonna, everything's going to get mixed up. Are you all with me? Can I repeat that verse? What was it? It's verse 12. Having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Who can say you've done that? What does that mean? We're not judging each other. We're not judging each other according to what we think that they should do. How would the Lord look at them? The only way you can do that, you can even ask, you could ask that question, but the only way you can do that is to have the Holy Spirit. The only way you can see them the way that God would see them is if the Spirit of God spoke to you about that person. And I want you to know what the Spirit of God will see about that person is probably not what you're seeing or not what you're wanting to say. It's so easy to point out flaws on, on people. Me and you at this distance, I can't hardly see any flaws on you. Y'all might could see a little bit more on me because I got these lights in my face. But if we got real close to each other, we'd see them. I could probably even smell your breath and you could smell mine and it wouldn't be pleasant. Right? The closer we get, the more we're going to see. 
the longer you stick around here, the more opportunities I have to offend you. If y'all haven't heard my joke, if you've never been offended in church, stick around. We're people. We do not think the same way. I want to tell you my one joke. I know you've heard it. I'm going to tell it again anyway. So there's this guy stranded on a de- desert island, deserted island, all by himself for years. 25 years go by. Finally, a ship pulls up and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm saved, you know. Finally. And uh, here comes the captain of the boat and he said, hey, I don't know how long you've been here. I've been here 25 years. It's been awful. He said, uh, let me show you around. And the, and the guy on the boat looked and saw there were three buildings behind him. He said, hey, what's that one? He said, well, that's my home. Come look at it. I walked him through it. That's awesome. Well, what's this building? Well, that's my church. That's where I worship every Sunday, if I can remember which day is Sunday. But that's where I worship on Sunday. Well, what's this other building? Well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> Let me tell you, you can get offended by yourself. All it takes is people. All you've got to do is show up, and you'll find something to get, want to get bent out of shape. We have a sin nature. We don't need people around us to fall into that. A snake will be enough. How many of you have probably said some choice words when you've seen a snake? <laughs> I hate snakes. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to see people on a spiritual level. The problem is we don't choose to. We choose to see them in a a fleshly uh, level. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This is what we're after is knowing him. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Can anybody see that scripture differently now? Now that we're we're, we're pursuing after the person of Christ? Let me just tell you, I see everything differently now. Not, I, I don't mean that in an overly spiritual way. I just see it different. It's different. I am not the same person I was two months ago. The Holy Spirit is beginning to reveal himself to me. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. No longer counting people's sins against them. How many of you are counting people's sins against them? Stop. It's not your job. It will hinder your walk, not theirs. It will hinder your walk. 17. Uh, Wait a minute, 18. 
For God was, look, look at what verse 18 says. He's given us the task of reconciling people to him. Given us the task of reconciling people to him. I'm not to, I'm not to point out your flaws. I'm to help you get reconciled. Part of my job, part of your job as the church is to help people reconcile. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Do you realize if you're not making this appeal to others, this message of reconciliation, the message is not getting out? It will come through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The only way to be reconciled of your sin is by Christ. That's it. And we have been given the, uh, the task of carrying that message to the world to let them know that they can be reconciled that the hell and the the spiral that they're walking through can be turned around. And do you see how it's done? By not holding their sin against them. And the church has been the worst. And we have completely missed it. It is our job to bring forgiveness, to bring peace and love and joy and righteousness and to love on people. Let me tell you, when you start loving on them, the conviction of the Lord will come on them. You don't have to condemn them. You don't have to make them feel guilty. The conviction of the Lord will get them way better than you. You will just run them away. The Lord will run them to him. Do you see the difference? Our job is just to receive and give them the message. But before that, we must, as we saw, we must know him. We must, it says, how differently we know him now. Before we saw Christ on a human level, how differently we know him now. As I get to know him, you know what I know? I know him to be complete love from top to bottom, even in the, even in his correction. It's a correction of love, not to hurt me. He loves me. He loves you. And I know that's just the, the, the coined expression, God loves you. No, he loves you. Far greater than any love you could ever experience or give. Far greater. You know how much you can love? God loves you so much more infinitely more infinitely more as we get to know that love we become capable of loving the unlovable we are capable of that so we must pursue after the person of the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus Christ he will show us how to win people from hell. He will show us how to love people out of hell. 
Oh, it's amazing. I've never felt like I've ever had an evangelistic bone in my body. But I can feel it coming. Can anybody else feel that? I can feel it. I feel like what I feel is the heart of the Lord. Y'all stand up with me. Let me pray for you. I didn't mean to go longer, but I did. Yeah, there's a revival going out there in the hallway. I want you to know when our youth come down here and they've now joined us in this building, the atmosphere's changed. And it's good. Don't reject that. Love on them. They need to be loved on. And they need to be received, not rejected. Love on them. See them through the eyes of Christ, not through adults' eyes. <laughs> Help us, Lord. We just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that we would just really get to know you. Really get to know you. How do we really grasp this thing that you're trying to teach us? We just ask right now, and I just encourage you to ask, Holy Spirit, just come in and show us who you are. 